My name's Emma, and I'm from Dixon, Tennessee. I'm Maggie, and Emma and I met through Crosspoint through the discipleship program. This is Daniel. <laughs> being a mom is not easy, especially being a young mom, but I love it. I really, really love it. I grew up in a family that wasn't primarily Christ-surrounded. I was going through hard times. I was just tired. I had too much on my shoulders that I knew that I could not carry. October of last year, I reconnected with my grandmother. We had been estranged for a little while, and I saw through my grandmother that some of her barriers were broken because she let the Lord take what she could not handle anymore. Maybe I should give this a try. Walking into church on Easter Sunday, it was hard. It was a big leap that I was having to take, um, going to a new church, meeting new people, but I felt like my chains just fell off of me. Making the decision to get baptized was not hard. I accepted Jesus into my heart, like I wanted to be proud about it. I got out there as soon as I could and she was like about to be baptized. As soon as she came out of the water, it was the sweetest thing. Like Daniel was clapping for her, her grandma was there, but she came down and we just gave each other a big hug. The mentorship program is something that we do for people who are about to get baptized or are newly baptized. It's kind of hard to know what to do right after you're baptized. You just want to continue your faith in the Lord and growing that. And so the mentorship program really helps with that. Having Maggie in my life has been amazing. It's so worth it to be surrounded by so many people who love you and care about you and just want to see you grow in the Lord. The fire that she has to chase after the Lord, it's so inspiring because she's had all the odds stacked against her and she has continued to fight for her relationship with the Lord. <laughs> Yeah, can we just give God thanks for that story? What a picture of what it looks like for us when we say we are a church that wants to help people find and follow Jesus. That's, that's what it looks like. And um, Emma, I um, want to thank you for sharing your story with us. What a beautiful picture of God's grace and his redemption and what he's doing in your life, what he's doing in your family and the restoration and the healing that he's bringing there. And Maggie, I want to say thank you for the way that you've come alongside her. That is what we're talking about when we talked about discipleship last week. It's, it's going back and finding somebody else that you can encourage in their faith journey. And uh, I want to thank you for that. And I want to thank you all of Crosspoint. Um, when you give, you make stories like that possible. It's through your generosity that stories like that happen. And so whether you give online or whether you give in person at one of our campuses, we just want to say thank you for your faithfulness in giving and uh, what we get to be a part of together. Um, I, I got messed up. Uh, this morning, I was driving into church, and, um, and there was just this overwhelming sense of just the love of God. And it was poured out like liquid love in my heart. And I just found myself, I'm driving down the road and I'm like, I, I don't know if it's legal to drive weeping, but I am just, I am weepy, just overwhelmed. Even right now, I just think about the moment. Just, it was just like God's love for me just poured out. And, um, and I, 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 I was getting out of the car. I was like, what was that? <laughs> I was like, what? that doesn't always happen. Uh, it does, I can't remember the last time that it happened. And as I was walking into the church, it was just a sense of like, um, I felt like a whisper of the Holy Spirit that somebody was praying for me. And, uh, and I, so I want to say thank you. If you were praying this morning, <laughs> um, I just want to say thank you. And, uh, and I thought, you know what? I, I would love to pray for you, that you would experience the same thing um, this morning. So can we pray together? Uh, Father, we, we thank you that you 
that you are love and that your love has been poured out for us on the cross and that your Holy Spirit is like liquid love in our hearts. So God, I pray for those who, uh, who may feel unloved, unlovable this morning, the truth that they are not unloved. And I pray, Father, that today they would have an encounter with you, with your love and with your spirit. Would you be poured out and would all of us just receive your love today and your presence. And God, that we would be transformed and that we would be made more like you. And so we just receive that today in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. All right, get ready. Um, I'll tell you about something that happened earlier in the week. I was sitting in, in traffic at Chick-fil-A. I was in traffic at Chick-fil-A, and uh, it was a longer line than normal. And I don't know, when I get impatient, sometimes I, I mess around and play with, with my, like my wedding band. And so I was, I was like, do like this number, and then I, I, I pulled it off. And, uh, and it just went over my big old fat knuckle, and then it flew through the air, and I was like, where? And it went down in the crevice, you know, between where the, the seat and the console is, you know, where the french fries go to die, you know, that one. <laughs> and so I was like, I don't need to get waffle fries. I got some down here, you know, and I was, and so I was, I went in that moment, I was like, I gotta find, I gotta find my wedding. And so I went, and I, I looked, I was kind of scared to put my hand down there. You never know what you're gonna find down there. And so I went down, and I was like, like a little snake going around trying to find, trying to find it, and, and, I couldn't, and I couldn't find it. I couldn't locate it. And then panic started to set in, because I'm like, this is not good. And I'm wondering, like, am I ever going to find uh, my wedding band? And, uh, and, and I, you know, I, I remembered the moment when, uh, when I received that wedding band, and Rhea and I were standing at the altar 23 years ago, and I'm thinking, I've worn that band for over 8,500 days. You know, I've had, I didn't do the, I asked Siri to do the math, but... Um, <laughs> I was like, man, I've worn that band, wedding band for a long time. And I was like, my, my finger is actually skinnier in that little spot. And then I was like, you know what? I, uh, I, it's actually, um, it's actually uh, a different shade in that little spot. Like, it just doesn't see the sun. And, uh, and somehow there's a little mold that's grown underneath. Like, I'm, I know this is getting way too much information. But I was like, I was like that, that wedding band has, it's, it's marked me. And, and, you know, I was thinking, man, that, that wedding band has seen some, like, just some of the best days and seen hard days. And, and I was like, man, some of, some of those days were like, we're going to make it through together. And then those other days where it's like, it's like heaven on earth. And I was like, man, that, that wedding band goes back to, to that moment and to that decision that we made. And as... As important as that decision is that we've, that we've made, um, it's not the most important decision. I mean, that, that decision is an important decision, and it is a really important decision. I believe that marriage is a good thing. Scripture says that marriage is a good thing. The husband finds a wife, it's a good thing. But it's not the gospel. It's not the gospel. Um, it's possible that you can be on mission with God and live a full and fulfilling life without, without marriage, without that Jesus wasn't married, Paul wasn't married. There are many people who, who have lived a full and fulfilling life with God who have never been married. So marriage is not the, the most important decision. The most important decision in your life is what you do with the offer of God. With what you do with Jesus' offer when he says, come, follow me. What you do with that decision is the, is the eternal decision. It's the decision that changes all the other decisions. That's the most important decision that you've made. That's the decision that defines the relationship with God. The question is, what have you done with God's offer? And that, that decision is the reason that as a church, our mission is to help people find and follow Jesus. And that's where we get this 
This mission of our church comes from Matthew chapter 28. If you've got a Bible, you can, you can turn there with me. We're looking at the, the Great Commission, which is where we get our, the play that we're running as a church. Our why behind everything that we do comes from Matthew 28, 18 through 20. And I'm going to read from the, from the New Living Translation today. Verse 18 says, And Jesus came and told his disciples, I've been given all authority in heaven and on earth. Therefore, go and make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Teach these new disciples to obey all the commands I have given you. And be sure of this, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. Now, this is the Great Commission. And we're talking about as a church how we can make Jesus' last command our first priority. How as a church, how as individuals, we can make Jesus' last command our first priority. And at the center of this command, and if you've got a Bible that's open, you can just go ahead and you can, you can underline, um, make disciples. If, you've, if your neighbor has a Bible open, just grab a pen and underline, make disciples. And thereby, make disciples is at the center of what Jesus is calling and what he's called us to do. Now, the word disciple shows up in the, in the scriptures 269 times. The word Christian only shows up three times. So make disciples. Jesus said, what, what is a disciple? Well, last week we talked about a disciple is a, is a student. It's a learner. It's an apprentice. Jesus said, go make apprentices. Disciple, the Hebrew word Talmudim. And the rabbi would call a disciple to follow him. And in doing so, that rabbi would say, I believe that you can be like me. And when a disciple would follow a rabbi, it was this desire to be like their, their rabbi. And the goal of a rabbi was not to draw the biggest crowds. The goal of a rabbi was to hand off his teaching, to hand off his character, to hand it off to disciples who would make disciples, who would make disciples, who would make disciples, who would make disciples. Would make disciples. That we would continue to make more disciples. And this is the mission and the vision that Jesus gives to these disciples. And what's, what's wild about this is he's handing off the kingdom of God to these disciples who, who probably weren't old enough to rent a car today. So like he's given, he's entrusting the kingdom of God to, to teenagers. And to, in their early 20s, he's, he's handing them this mission. And what's wild about it is, is they, didn't, they didn't have, they didn't have, um, they didn't have school, like formal education. They didn't, they didn't have the, the budget or, or headquarters or the buildings or a 501c3 status. They didn't have a slick marketing plan or a website. They had never been through StoryBrand. They, they didn't know how to put all of this together. And Jesus looks at them and he says, I'm giving this to you. What they had was they had this mission from God. They had three years with Jesus and a vision of how they would change the world. And they ended up, Jesus gave them this mission and he gave them a promise. He said, if you make yourself about this life, I promise you, I'm going to be with you. My presence, my power, and I'm going to move through you in ways that you can't explain and you can't deny. Listen, that's his heart today. It's still his heart. He said, if you make yourself about this life, about making disciples, about helping other people in their faith journey, about being a disciple yourself, if you make yourself about this life, you're gonna experience my presence and my power in ways that you can't explain and you can't deny. So no matter where you are on your faith journey, his invitation for you today is to follow him. 
It's for a relationship with him, that we would be a disciple and make disciples, and that's the play that they ran. And it's pretty wild when you think about it. That's the play that they ran, and it's like a miracle that we're here today. It's a miracle that we're here in Middle Tennessee today, 2,000 years later, because some, some teenagers in the Middle East, in Galilee, took Jesus at his word and ran the play. And so what I wanna talk about today, Jesus said, I want you to do these two. I want you to baptize, I want you to go and make disciples and do these two things. I want you to baptize them and teach them to obey all that I've commanded you. So let's talk about why those two things are important. And to get there, I'm gonna need to tell you a story. And it's a story that, um, that marked me uh, greatly because so much of how I think about discipleship has come from the global church. So much of how I think about what it means to make disciples has come from, Jesus said, I want you to go to all nations, but something's happened as I've traveled to other nations and encountered the way other people follow Jesus that's marked me as a disciple and the way I think about discipleship. And one of those stories goes to when, um, I guess it was, it was probably about 10, 11 years ago, I was in the Middle East and I met a man um, named Yusuf, and Yusuf's not his name. I can't use his real name because he was in hiding. And Yusuf told us a story that when he was 22 years old, um, and he, he shared with us that he had grown up in a, in a terrorist organization, and his family, that was, um, that was what his family was about. And so when he, was, um, when he was 22, he was 23 at the time, but he said when he was, when he was 22, um, he started to have an understanding that maybe there was more. Um, he shared a little bit of his story. He said that he, um, he grew up kind of in the, in the in his family was a part of like the special forces, if you will, for this terrorist organization. When he was 15, his father asked him to, uh, to plant a, a bomb under the neighbor's car when he's 15. And the neighbor was suspected of being a spy. And so the father told him to do this. And so he, um, he gave, him, um, gave him the equipment to do that. And he said, he was nervous, and um, rather than setting the charge for one hour, he set the charge for one minute. So before it was connected with the explosives, it, it actually, um, the charge went off, and, and it scarred him. And so he was showing us his scars. And he said that growing up in that way, he was a part of this special forces group, and, um, and there was just this sense of like, man, there has to be more. And this curiosity about, about Jesus. And so he, uh, he, he began to, to wonder about Jesus, and he he thought, well, maybe I can find out more if I go online. And so he went on Facebook and he looked for a Christian. And he found a woman named Robin in Michigan who was a Christian, who had Christian in her bio on Facebook. <laughs> and so he started asking Robin questions on Facebook about Jesus. And Robin started to share about Jesus. And can you imagine being Robin? <laughs> Get on and look for messages and... And this man is asking questions, this 23-year-old, 22, 23-year-old man's asking questions. And he ended, up, um, he ended up hearing about Jesus and asked more and more questions. And over the course of months, he, uh, through Facebook and through Gmail, had his questions answered. And he just knew. He knew that Jesus is the way, that Jesus is the truth, that Jesus is the life. And he said that he, he gave his, his heart to Jesus, his heart over to Jesus. His heart was just captured by by the love of God. And he um, said that he accidentally left his computer open one night and his brother came in and saw uh, what he had written. And his brother um, 
Um, he was sleeping, and his brother saw those things and went and got his father, and they were going to, he woke him up, and he said, I'm going to get dad, and they were going to kill him for, um, because he had, he had left the faith and because he had followed Jesus. And he said, at that moment, Yusuf said he went on the run, and he uh, and he'd lived in, in basements and in gardens and in houses of other believers who had opened up their homes out of hospitality, and, uh, and he was in hiding. He said they traced his cell phone, and he had to get rid of his cell phone. And so he's just telling us, telling us this story. There were um, two or three other guys that were there with me, and we're just listening. We're just mesmerized by the story. One of the guys, I think, was maybe, you know, just overwhelmed with the story. He was like, hey, I like your jacket. And he was like, oh, you want my jacket? And I asked him, I was like, man, is there anything you're afraid of? Are you afraid of, are you afraid of dying? And he said, no. He said, I'm just afraid that I won't have an opportunity to tell my dad and my brothers about Jesus. And as we listened to him, him share this story, I was like, man, this is a picture of a disciple. <laughs> this is a picture of, of somebody who's given their whole heart and asked him, he said, man, what difference has Jesus made in your life? And here's what he said. He said, I'm different. I know the truth. My heart is full. I found the way. So as I was preparing for this message and I was thinking about what it means to be a disciple, I was thinking about this Yusuf and I was like, man, this, this, is, this is discipleship. Be a follower of Jesus. Now let's go back to that chart that we looked at last week. This is kind of a, a define the relationship continuum. We talked about this, a discipleship continuum. Now, this is not like in the Bible. This is not in the Bible. I mean, it's a biblical concept, but it's not in the Bible. It's not back there with the charts and the maps. I mean, this, this, this chart that we've shown you is just a way to think about this and a way to think about defining the relationship. You know what a DTR is? Have you ever had a DTR in a relationship? A DTR is that talk where you go, we're going to have this talk to define our relationship. I, I went out with uh, Ree when we were in ninth grade, and we went out for a week, and she broke up with me. Um, she broke up with me, and, uh, and I thought it was so. But she told, she said, she said, Kevin, I just want to be friends. And I'm like, that's fine, because I'm going to be the best friend you've ever had. <laughs> and I just, I devoted myself to being her friend. And then we got to college. I think she figured out that I was not that bad. And we began to date. We started to go out. And um, she has a twin sister. And I called her up, and I said, Ree, I said, uh, I said do you, do you want to go to the movies? Uh, you and your sister want to go to the movies. And she said, how about just me and you? So for the record, I'm saying she asked me out for our first date. And so we went out. And, uh, and we had gone out for a couple dates. She lived in Athens, Athens Georgia. And I'm I, uh, we were at the Bennigans in Athens, and we had like a DTR. We had a define the relationship. Um, some of you are hung up with what's Bennigans. That's okay. We'll have another conversation later. But that, that, was the, that was the moment where we defined the relationship. Are we dating or are we not dating? Let's define the relationship. And what this chart does is it helps us, in a sense, define the relationship with God. We said that everybody is somewhere in their relationship with Jesus. There are people who are disinterested, who are maybe apathetic to God or to the things of, things of faith, but then there moves a place where people are open. People are open to a conversation, to talk about God, to hear more, but then it moves to this place of actively seeking, engaged seeking, and wanting to know more about him, and then it moves to a place of admiration, 
admirers of Jesus or fans of Jesus. But then there's this next move to become a follower, which is this place of, of surrender. So I want us to think about Yusuf's story with that. He grew up most of his life with a disinterest toward Jesus. But then there was a sense of openness where God began to do a work in his heart. And through his openness, he began to seek to find out more. He went on Facebook and found Robin and through conversation with Robin, moved to a place of admiration. But then there, became a, there came a moment where Yusuf committed his life to follow Jesus. It was that moment of surrender. And all of us are somewhere in that relationship with Jesus. And Jesus said, I want you to make yourself about this. I want you to make yourself about making disciples, helping people find and follow Jesus. And Jesus said, when you make a disciple, as you go, make disciples, baptize them and teach them to obey. Baptize them. Why did Jesus say baptize them? Why did Jesus say baptize them? Because baptism is this unmistakable symbol in somebody's life. It's like that moment with Emma that we saw earlier where, where, where she went under the water. And when she went under the water, she's identifying with Jesus in his death on the cross. She's identifying with Jesus in his death. And then she comes up out of the water and she's identifying with Jesus in the resurrection. And it's this moment that she will not. God changed a family tree through that moment. Daniel got a new mama when she gave her life to Jesus. But then that moment, that, that baptism moment, is her going public with her faith. It's a powerful symbol. And in the, in the, remember, in that, in that world, in the ancient world, for Christians to, to be baptized, it was a powerful symbol because they grew grown up their entire life in Judaism. And in Judaism, they'd grown up in their entire life with the sense of, um, of, of the temple system and of sacrifice and of the law. And it, there, was this, there was this question of, where am I at with God? Like, where am I at? Have I done enough? And have I fulfilled enough of the law? And have I sacrificed enough lambs? Like, have I sacrificed enough to be right with God? But Jesus comes on the scene, and Jesus is the Messiah. When Jesus is baptized, John says, there's the Lamb of God who's come to take away the sin of the world. And so when, when they were being baptized, what they were saying is it's no longer based on our own good deeds. It's no longer based on how us trying to be made right with God through our works and through our efforts and through our self-sufficiency. But the only way we're made right with God is through what Christ has done for us. So when they were baptized, it's this public symbol of saying, my trust is in Jesus now, and I'm following him. I'm leaving my old life behind, and my new life is, I've got a new heart. My sin has been forgiven. I've been reconciled with God. I've been made new, and I want to follow Jesus. I want to follow Jesus. I want the new life that comes from him, because I'd rather have Jesus and give up everything in this world than have everything in this world and give up on this man, Jesus. I'm giving my life to follow him. I want to do what he wants me to do. I want to go where he wants me to go. I want to be who he's made me to be. Baptism. It's a powerful symbol. And in that world, to be baptized was essentially to be marked as a potential martyr. Because the same hatred that was directed toward Jesus would be directed toward them. And it was a, it was a costly act. Essentially, baptism was the thing that separated the fans of Jesus from the followers of Jesus. Those who were admirers of Jesus from those who were truly saying, we want to follow Jesus. Baptism is, 
is powerful. Seekers and admirers stayed in the crowd, but the ones who were baptized said, I want to follow Jesus. I don't care what it costs me. I'm a follower. Now, I want to be clear. Baptism doesn't save us. Only Jesus does that. But baptism is the symbol by which we go public with our, with our faith. And it's a moment that we can look back on and say, I, I can't tell you how many times I prayed a prayer with the pastor at the end of the service as a kid. Probably every week. Like I would just pray the prayer with the, because I, I wanted that salvation. And, and we're not saved based on how many times we pray a prayer. We're saved by the, by the grace of God through faith, putting our faith in Jesus. But baptism is one of those. I can't remember how many times I prayed that prayer, but I can remember the time that I was dry, then I went under the water, and I was, and I was wet, and I came up. I can remember that time in 1994 when I went public with my faith. It's a powerful symbol. So I parked the car, and I went and I got out of the car, and I thought, where is that ring? And some of you, it's really bothering you that I don't have on my wedding band right now. And you want to know, where is the ring? Well, I looked down underneath the seat, and it was, it was down underneath like where the seat bolts down into the floor. And so I'm down on my knees trying to find that thing. And it was in this little crevice thing that was like where the seat bolts down. And so I got down, and I couldn't get my big fat fingers. I couldn't get them down in that thing. And so then I start trying to figure out like if I can find some toothpicks. And there was a toothpick down, but I, I you know, and a straw. And I'm like, I'm like trying to use this like, like Mr. Miyagi with chopsticks. I'm trying to, I'm trying to get, get this thing out. And I, I can't, my hands cramp. I'm sweaty. I'm panicking. Yeah, I can't, and I can't get it. I can't get it out. I was like, I got stuff I got to do. And so um, some of you are wondering, where's my wedding band? It's down underneath my seat. I'm just kidding. It's in my pocket. Because can you imagine me going in the house and Bree's like, Where do you, where's your wedding band? I'm like, it's underneath my seat. And it was just really hard to get to it. No, it's like, this matters to me. This matters to Bree. This matters to us. Like I was going to, if I had to unbolt the seat, to get the ring, I was willing to do that because you can tell what matters to us by the sacrifices we're willing to make, the, the difficulty that we're able to overcome, the challenges that we're willing to press through. It helps us know our value system. And so when we talk about baptism, like baptism is, is a symbol. It's not just a religious symbol. It's a relational symbol. It helps us define the relationship to say, you know, I'm a follower of Jesus. I don't care who knows. I want everybody to know I'm following Jesus. And as I look and as I watch and see, and my question is, God, what are you doing in the world right now? Jonathan Edwards says this. He says, the task of every generation is to discover the direction in which the sovereign redeemer is moving and then move in that direction. And so as I look around and survey the landscape of the world and go, God, what are you doing right now? I believe there is a move of God that's going on in the world right now of people being reconciled with God through Christ and going public with their faith through baptism. We said, I don't know if you saw what happened at Auburn. What happened at Auburn University a couple weeks ago, there were hundreds of college students that were baptized. It was after this Unite Auburn, after this gathering was taking place, hundreds of college students who were baptized who went public with their faith, down in, this, down in this pond, down by this barn, and people, I mean, God, if God is moving at Auburn, you know God's moving. <laughs> like, God is moving, and there was this powerful, powerful move of God. 
Like, I believe God is always wanting to move. The question is, and the scripture says that the eyes of the Lord search to and fro throughout the world, looking for a heart that is fully committed to him, a heart, that is, a heart that's fully committed to him, says, God, I don't care. I don't care what the cost. I don't care the inconvenience. I don't care what I may lose. You are worth everything. So God, count me in. Man, I got a, I got, <laughs> I heard a story and then a man came up last weekend after the 530 service and told me a story. He said that he was at a Bible study down off Music Row at one of the record labels in town. And he said that after the Bible study, they gave an opportunity for people to be baptized. And he said, I was baptized. He told me a story. His name's Justin. He said, I was baptized in a horse trough on Music Row. I was like, I've never heard of that one before. But I, I love that. In a horse trough on Music Row, he's saying, I am a follower of Jesus. I'm not a fan of Jesus. I'm a follower of Jesus. And it's by grace that we become a follower of Jesus. It's not that we get our lives all cleaned up and then become a follower of Jesus. It's that we come to Jesus and we follow him and he changes and transforms our life. It's grace that gets us in. It, it's grace that keeps us in. It's his grace. But my question is, have you ever had a moment where you've defined the relationship. Because it's not about your mama's relationship, your daddy's relationship, your grandparents' relationship. And maybe you were baptized as a child. It's a powerful moment for your parents and for your family to be able to say their commitment and their intention and their heart would be to raise you in a certain kind of way to love Jesus. My question is, have, have you ever had a moment where you've said, Jesus, I'm giving you my whole life. And if you haven't, maybe today's the day. Um, we don't have horse troughs, but we've got baptism tubs, and they're filled up today by faith. Just believe maybe there's somebody who would say, today's the day for me. And maybe you're thinking, well, I didn't bring the change of clothes, and I didn't bring all the things that I need to do my hair afterwards. And say, it's, it's okay. We've, we've got all the things. We've got all those things at all of our campuses prepared for you to just eliminate any reason why this wouldn't be the day for you to say, I'm a follower of Jesus and I want everybody to know. So at the end of service, um, we can celebrate some baptisms in the lobby if, if you wanna follow him that way. And maybe you're saying, well, I don't even wanna wait till the end of the service to get ready. Well, you can walk out outside, of all, outside into the lobbies of all of our campuses and be careful going to the restroom right now. You might get taken to the baptism tub, but, but if you'd say, you know what, I, I want to be, be baptized today. Maybe you've been putting it off, and I just say, don't delay obedience. I heard it say one time that delayed obedience is disobedience. So if God's moving in your heart, if he's moving you in that direction, we may not be in Auburn, we may not be off Music Row, but I believe God wants to move right here, right now, today. So don't delay what he's doing in your heart. Even now at all of our campuses, we've got folks who are in the lobby who would love to receive you and prepare for your baptism today. Jesus said, I want you to make disciples and baptize them and then do what else? Well, let's look at the scripture. He says, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit and teach these new disciples all the commands I have given you. Did you notice that I left something out? said what? Teach these new disciples what? To obey all the commands I've given you. It's not just transfer your knowledge. It's not just help them, you know, on trivia night with the commands that I've given you. 
He's like, I want you to teach them to obey. Teach them to put into practice what I've taught you. Teach them how to live a certain kind of way. I want you to, I want you to teach them to go live it, to go do it. That's what Jesus wants. Let me ask you a question. What does it mean to trust Jesus? See, my fear is that we've, we've, we've shrunk that phrase, trust Jesus, into, into believing that Jesus would make a certain kind of accommodations for us to live forever with him in the afterlife. And we've, we've whittled trust Jesus down into those two things when it's so much more than that. It means, Jesus, I'm trusting that you are right and that you're right about everything. That you're right about eternity, yes, but that you're also right about marriage and you're right about sex and you're right about money and you're right about relationships and you're right about forgiveness and you're right about generosity and you're right about power and you're right about sharing. You're right about grace and you're right about servanthood. You're right about leadership and you're right about work and you're right about worry and you're right about worship and you're right about all the things. Trusting Jesus is believing that Jesus has the most reliable information on what it means to truly live. So it's not just trusting that he'll get us to heaven when we die. It's trusting that Jesus will lead us in what it means to know how to live. And this whole idea of like, Jesus, I'm going to trust you to get to heaven when I die, but, I'm, but I have no intention to follow you here on earth. Like that's a category that doesn't exist in the Bible. But to follow Jesus means, Jesus, I'm trusting you about eternity and I'm trusting you about today. Saying, Jesus, we, we want to put these things into practice. And this is why we, we put the scriptures at the center of what we do here as a church. And what we teach on the weekends and as students, and with kids. It's why we gather in settings like this. It's why we gather in small groups throughout the week. Saying, Jesus, would you teach us? And then we're going to learn to obey. And it takes a lifetime to learn how to obey. But it's by his grace that we can obey. And so here's what I want to do. I want to give us something this week that we can put into practice. This is something that Jesus has commanded us to do. And so we can put it into week. So Matthew, Matthew 23, verse 11. Jesus says, the greatest among you must be a servant. But those who exalt themselves will be humbled. And those who humble themselves will be exalted. Can you imagine? Like, just imagine with me. What would it be like this week if we all ran this play? If we all took this and said, not just a scripture to know, but, but Jesus, would you help us? Would you help us be these kind of people who practice this, who serve others? What would it look like to pull into the parking lot at the grocery store? Kroger, Publix, whatever you choose, Piggly Wiggly, whatever you choose. But did you pull in the parking lot and serve like I'm here to serve? What would it be like to go to the gym on Monday morning? Some of you are like, what would it be like to go to the gym? What would it be like to go to the gym on, on Monday morning and go, you know what? I'm here to surf. Like, I'll help you clean up your plates, oh man, who does not clean up after yourself. What would it be like, what would it be like at school to look around and go, I'm here to surf? Not here to be served, but I'm here to surf. What would it be like in the kitchen with the dishwasher or after dinner? Say, I'm here to serve. Now, this isn't a verse that you can say, you're here to serve. That's not, it's, it's I'm here to serve. That we take serve the city out of a weekend and we go, no, this is a lifestyle. And it's every day saying, Jesus, would you give me eyes to see what it means to, to serve others? Would you give me a heart to serve others? We say, we want to practice this every single day 
On the night before he went to the cross, Jesus gathered his disciples together and he washed their feet. Just take that in. Jesus, the Son of God, our rabbi, the Messiah, he knelt down and he washed their feet and then he told the disciples, he was like, I've set an example for you. Now go do this. As his Talmudine, you, me, that this week we look for opportunities to serve others because we have a rabbi, we have a Messiah, we have a savior. And he's shown us what it means to love. And he says, you demonstrate value by the sacrifices you're willing to make. And we demonstrate that other people matter to God when we serve them. I love what God did yesterday through Serve the City. And he's, he has no intention of stopping that move but that he would give us eyes to see and a heart to serve, to serve other people, to put it into practice. It takes a lifetime to learn how to, how to live like that, but it only takes a moment to experience new life. So can we have a DTR? I realize we're not at Bennigan's, but can we just have a define the relationship? My question for you is, has there ever been a moment in your life where you've said yes to follow Jesus? Has there ever been a moment where you moved from being a fan of Jesus to being a follower of Jesus? Being an admirer of Jesus, or maybe you applaud Jesus, or you're impressed by him, maybe even you praise him, but the question is, are you a, are you a follower? And if not, today's the day. Today's the day of salvation, that he wants to give you a new heart, he wants to bring healing and hope transformation for you. And so I'm going to lead you in a moment of prayer. And if you've never been baptized, if you've never gone public with that, we're going to have a prayer team that'll be down front at all of our campuses at the end of the service. And they would love to meet with you, to pray with you, to pray with you for anything. But specifically, if you want to be baptized today, if that's your heart's desire, then we'd love to help you take that next step as well. So you can either meet us in the lobbies or you meet us down front. We'd love to help you take that step. But I'd love to pray with you. Can we bow our heads and our hearts together? Father, your desire is that we would not just encounter your love and stay the same, that we wouldn't just be hearers of the word, but we'd be doers as well. And so today, your invitation is to follow me. So I pray for those who have, have never made that decision that today would be the day. If today, if you wanna to begin to follow Jesus, if you wanna say yes to him, if you wanna move from an admirer or a fan to a follower, just pray a prayer, something like this. Father, thank you. Thank you for loving me. You just whispered after me. Thank you for sending your son Jesus to die on the cross for me. Right now, I receive your love. I'm your child, adopted into your family. Receive your new life. I'm gonna follow you here on earth and spend forever with you in heaven. Thank you for saving me. 
Father, I pray for those who made that their prayer, that you give them the courage to tell somebody, to let somebody know. And Father, I pray for all of us as followers, that you would give us courage and faith like Yusuf. be able to say, I'm different now. That we would have a heart that burns with passion to help other people know the hope and the joy and the life that comes from you. I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Our prayer teams will be down front. Thank you for coming and worshiping with us today. And we'll celebrate those who say yes in the lobbies. You guys have a great week. We'll see you later.